0: Thank you for listening to this message from Lifehouse Church. Good morning, good morning. Turn to somebody, give them a high five, tell them it is good. It is good to be in God's house this morning. Come on, emphasize good. It is good. It's dry in here, amen? Amen. Amen. No rain in here. Just God, just God raining down. I feel His presence, amen? Listen, I just want to take a moment and talk about the campus um, that is launching October 15th. And we, uh, we are just watching as God unfolds and prepares, and we are still believing for a few more people um, from this Carlisle campus to get on board and come up to East Shore. And I only want you to do that if God's speaking to you about it, all right? We're not trying to recruit. We're looking for people who are God is speaking to to come up, help out for six months at that campus, and be part of the launch team into that community. Uh, again, we're starting up in two weeks uh, up in the Linglestown area. We're excited about that. And we've got a meeting that's taking place Thursday, October 5th. You want to write this down if you're interested. If you want to see the the campus, the East Shore campus, uh, Thursday, October 5th at 6.30 p.m. at the East Shore location, We're going to have an organizational meeting and really talk to the launch team about what's going to take place in the future. And um, I couldn't be more excited. I love when God does new things. He's birthing this new thing. He's been birthing this in us for, man, over a year now. So we are excited about what God's going to do. Just wanted to let you know, um, you need to be aware of what's taking place and God is good. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, today is the, uh, I'm going into the final chapter of 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 4. And over the last couple of weeks, I don't know if you caught on to this or not, but we've been working through the book of 2 Timothy, and we've really just preached the message out of literally every chapter along the way. And, and just to give you a little bit of background, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know the background, but Paul is writing from a Roman prison to a young man named Timothy right? A young pastor who is in Ephesus. And in this particular portion of the letter, he's given just a more than just a little bit of encouragement for Timothy to use his God-given gift. He's really getting ready to close out the letter. And it's a little more than just some encouragement. I don't know. Has anyone ever given you more than just a little bit of encouragement? Anybody ever prompted you on a little bit? My parents used to do that when I needed to do my chores. They gave me a little more than some encouragement, right? Their tone of their voice raised. They, they they got a little more intense about the whole thing, and intensely, and they would they would let me know like, hey, this matters, right? This is important. Well, that's kind of what's happening in the letter here in 2 Timothy. He, Paul is charging Timothy to use his gift to teach and to preach. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is not just a little rah-rah session, right? It's not just, hey, come on, let's do it. It's not an boy kind of thing. This is not just a little verbal kick in the pants. Anybody ever get a verbal kick in the pants? Anybody get a verbal kick in the pants this week? Right, raise your hand. All right. Um, this is grab you by the lapel, right? Get you hold by the lapels and, and grab your shirt. And, and now I know this is in a letter, and I think Paul might have done this. I don't know. I can ask him someday when I get to heaven. But I think Paul might have grabbed Timothy by the lapels, got in his face and said, I need to stir something up in you. I need to encourage you, All right. I need to give you a little more. Pastor Andrew, come here for a second. I, I want to give you just a little demonstration of what this is. Now, he's a lot bigger than me, so I'm going to do this with a little less intensity, right? But it's this kind of thing, right? I think Paul would just say, Come on, Timothy, <laughs> All right? Man, you're a little flinchy this morning. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, um, you know, it was Paul with this intensity and this passion and this fire in him, no holds barred. Right at the end of his letter, as much as he could within a letter, and I think that's where he was going in Second Timothy chapter four, verse one. I'm just speculating, uh, but as you read this, I think you're going to see the intensity in this. Let's pray before we read God's word. Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you for each one that's in the house. God, each one that's listening online. God, as we get ready to launch the camp is gone in a few weeks. It'll be there as well. God, I pray that Your hand would just speak, uh, that Your word would speak into our hearts, and Your hand would be upon us. And Lord, we give You glory in Jesus' name. And Amen, Amen. Well, 2 Timothy chapter four, verse one, and it says, "Now listen to the language here. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at the appearing of His kingdom." Can you feel the intensity? Paul saying. I charge you, Timothy, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead into the appearing of his kingdom. Listen, if your parents talk to you about your chores like that, how many know they'd be intense, right? I charge you to take the garbage out, right? Before the, the, before the judge, before the living and the dead. That's what he's saying. I charge you before Jesus Christ. I charge you before the Lord. Can you feel the weight of what he's saying. Can you feel the heaviness of this charge, the intensity in his words? And then he hits him in verse two. He says, he says this to Timothy. He says, preach the word. He says, preach the word. Preach the word. This is the gift that I've given you. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. This is intense. This is Paul in a coaching moment, right? Laying it on Timothy. He's, 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 he can't be there in person, so in a letter, as much as he can muster, it's kind of that a grab-you-at-the-lapel kind of moment, you know, just getting a hold of him. And then he says in verse 3, for the time will come. He's giving them the reason. For the time will come when they, those that Timothy's speaking to, will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they heap up for themselves teachers, And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, Timothy, must be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul is giving Timothy his current reality, right? That's what a good coach does. He's telling him his current reality, maybe his future reality, and he's telling him preach. And then with all the passion and muster that he can, you know, the zeal that Paul can stir up, He's pushing them. Use your gift. Engage in the mission. Engage in the gift that I've given you. A gift that Timothy was both commissioned and positioned to use. And it's intense. Paul leaves no doubt about what he's trying to communicate to this young minister. And this morning, I want to spur you along to engage in the mission of God that you've both been commissioned and positioned for. God's put you in a position, and I don't know if you know it or not, but he's commissioned you to use your gifting. And I kind of want to verbally grab a hold of your lapels this morning with some intensity, and I say that verbally because I, I, I don't want to physically do that because some of you look like you could punch me, all right? Some of you look like you, if I grabbed you by the lapels, you just hit back, right? But I want to verbally grab you by the lapel and say, hey, Stir up the gift of God that's in you, right? And I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, man, I just got a coffee and came in this morning to hear a nice sermon, right? I I just came and settled in. It's raining out. I'm not a preacher, right? I'm not called to vocational ministry. I'm not a teacher. I, I just walked in here with my coffee to hear a sermon. But I got some intense news for you. If you're following Jesus, Jesus has a mission that he is commissioning you for, and that he has uniquely positioned you for. Amen? Amen. And the beautiful thing with all this is, the the beautiful thing is, is that the mission is the same for every follower of Jesus Christ. We might have different roles in the kingdom of God. We might have different positions or different responsibilities. Uh, Our kingdom activity might look different from one another, but the mission and the objective is all the same. Paul knew it. Timothy knew it. Millions of Jesus followers across the globe know this because Jesus spoke it to his disciples right before he left this earth, and then he equipped every believer after he left this earth, all right? All right. He spoke it before he left, and he equipped believers after he left. If you got your Bibles, you can flip over to Mark 16, verse 14, and it says this. Say, later. Later, later all right? so That's how it starts off. Later, he appeared to the 11. Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who he had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying of signs. Amen. The mission is simple. Jesus saved us from death, hell, and the grave. He saved us from our sins. Our job is to go out and reach others and lead them to Jesus so they can be saved as well. That's it, right? That's the mission. You're saved, and and he lifted you up, so your job is to go out and reach others so that they can be saved, so you can tell them about Jesus, right? Get people to Jesus, raise them up in Jesus. Does it sound complicated? No, it's not, right? It's not complicated. You don't need a special degree. You don't need to take 120 hours of classroom time to get all this right, to get it right. The mission's clear for every believer, Do anything and everything necessary to bring people to Jesus Christ, to bring them into the kingdom of God. That's the mission. And and if it weren't weird, I'd have you grab the person beside you by the lapels this morning and get in their face and say, this is the mission, right? This is the mission. Go out and find people who don't know Jesus. Some of you want to do it. I can see it in your eyes. You just want to get a hold of them, right? You You want to grab them and tell them, this is the mission. Listen, we can't get off task, church. We can't allow ourselves to get distracted from this. We can't get lost in the how we're going to do this and forget about why we're doing this, right? Somehow, uh, we got to get connected. We got to keep focused. Someone brought the gospel to you, and, and Jesus rescued you from the place that you're in. Our job is to do the same thing. We're taking Jesus to somebody else so they can get rescued. We do the same thing that somebody else did for us. People, listen, people spoke into my life and changed my life. They brought me to Christ. I owe them for that. I really do. And To tell them at least thank you for bringing me to Jesus who saved me, right? Everyone is engaged in the same mission. And you might still be thinking, listen, I'm not a preacher, I'm not one of the original 12. I don't even really like talking in front of people, right? So how do I do this? Some of you maybe just got saved. You've maybe only been saved for a week, a month, maybe only a year, and you're thinking, how do I do this, right? Well, at a minimum, how do I do this? Well, I can tell you this. Paul did it all the time. Timothy did it all the time. I've watched hundreds of Christians do all the time, and I've seen people who have been saved for less than a day Do this. Every follower of Jesus can testify to how Jesus personally saved them. You can testify you can speak. If you're following Jesus, even if you've only been saved for a day, right? Uh, how if, if Jesus, you're following Jesus Christ, and He has saved you from your sins, and you know that you've got a secure future in Him, that, that He has, has washed you clean, that one day heaven will be your home, that one day you're going to walk with Him, and you can walk with Him and talk with Him now, and one day you're going to physically do that with Him. If you know that in your heart, if you remember getting saved, if you remember that God God has raised you up, right? You've got a testimony. You've got got a story to tell. So who have you told? Who have you told? Who have you testified to? Some of the best testimonies happen right after the fact, right? You know, listen, when the news goes out, when the news goes out, they don't wait till three weeks later, right, to report something, right? If there's a house that caught on fire, they're going over to the neighbors, would you see? (laughs) <laughs> What'd you see? Tell me what you saw, right? And it was oh, there's flames, you know? And they caught on fire, and there were fire trucks, and they're, they're telling the whole story, and I ran across and helped out. You know, they're telling, and, and, and they don't wait, till- they don't go three weeks later and say, hey, there was a fire three weeks ago. What'd you see, <laughs> right? You can start right away. If Jesus has done something for you, you can testify to what he's done, You don't have to have teaching skills and preaching skills. You don't have to be ordained to tell your story. You just got to tell it. You just got to speak it. The beautiful thing is I've seen people do this right after they got saved, and they're amazing. They're just so excited about what Jesus did for them. They go tell everybody, right? They're just going place to place. Sometimes they don't even know what they're talking about, but they just go tell somebody about Jesus. And, And we need to do that. And here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing about telling your story, about testifying. If you go testify people will not argue with your testimony. Do you know that? They're not going to argue with your testimony because it's your story. They're not going to argue about your story because it's your story. One of the messages that you hear in the world these days, and has been for some time now, is this message of tolerance, right? We're supposed to tolerate everything. That's a whole different message. I'm not going there this morning. But use that to your advantage, by the way. They'll listen to your story. They'll listen to what you have to say. They they may not agree with you. They might accept or reject what you're saying to them in their mind, but they will graciously listen to what you have to say. Tell them the story about what Jesus did in your life. And I know there are people here who've got all kinds of different stories, right? Some of you are thinking, I've been in church since I was like this tall. I got saved when I was five. I've been following Jesus ever since. I don't have a really cool, crazy story, right? I've just been walking with Jesus all along the way. That's the most awesome story in the world. You know, can you imagine, just talk to somebody who doesn't know Jesus at all, and you say, Jesus saved me when I was young, and, and he began to speak into my life, and I began to learn his ways, and he began to step me through, and he walked me through this, and he walked me through that, and they're going to be like, wait a minute, you're telling me when you were a kid, you got saved and God began to speak to you, you're like, yep, he began to speak to me. You, when you were a kid, when you were a kid, you began to hear from God, yep, I began to hear from God, and, and you start telling the story. People want to hear from God. They really do. People that are out around you. Or you could be completely opposite. Maybe you didn't follow Jesus since you were this high, right? Maybe you didn't gnaw on the pews and the chairs when you were a kid. Maybe you didn't go to church at all. Maybe you got steeped in the world and you got wrapped up in sin and your life was a train wreck or something in between, right? And you came to Christ and all of a sudden Jesus set you free. How many know you have a story to tell? You got something you can tell them, like, hey, I was here, and I was messed up in my head. I was messed up because of sin, and Jesus walked me out, and now I am free. I am whole, and God's still working on me, but he's going to get me there one day, right? You can start telling that story, and it's amazing, and people are listening, and they're like, really? Yeah, really? It's your story. See, I I'm a pastor, uh, and I can get into Bible discussions with people. People love Bible wars, by the way, right? I can get into a theological discussion with somebody, and they'll argue all day long with me. They'll go back and forth, but they're not going to argue your story. They can't minimize your story, and you need to not minimize Jesus in your story. We do that all the time. We minimize Jesus in our story. Don't do it. Tell them. Tell someone that hasn't heard yet what Jesus has done in your life. Remember. Just tell them, listen, I remember what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Come on, it's true. Yep. Now, you remember Say, I said at the beginning that Jesus gave them the mission before he left, but he also empowered them after he left? Well, 50 days after Jesus was resurrected from the dead and 10 days after he ascended into heaven, something took place called Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And Jesus told him it would happen. As a matter of fact, he said, guys, I want you all to go, all you that are following me, I want you to go to Jerusalem and just wait on the promise, all right? Have you ever seen one of those those, uh, social media videos where it says, just wait for it in the bottom? How many of you just got to stop and wait for it, right? He's like, just wait for it just wait for it. You know something's going to happen in the video. Just wait for it. That's what Jesus did to the disciples. He's like, you just need to go to Jerusalem and just wait for it, all right? Just wait for it. Just wait for it. A- and they do. They go to Jerusalem. And Acts chapter 1 verse 4, it says this, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to just wait for it, right? To wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still thinking about Israel. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put into his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my what? Witnesses. Say it, witnesses. To me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What do witnesses do? They testify. They testify. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to believers so you can be empowered to be a witness. So you are empowered in telling your story of what Jesus has done for you. He empowers that. I hear Jesus' followers do this all the time, and they're just shocked out of their minds, right? They'll say, I got into a conversation with somebody, and I started talking to them about Jesus, and I don't even know what happened. All the words just started coming. I just started speaking to them, and the words started flowing, and, and I don't even know where it all came from. I know it didn't come from my head. It's just, I couldn't even believe it. I don't even remember everything I said. You know why? The Holy Spirit's empowered you to do that. That's part of what, why the Holy Spirit came, to empower you to be witnesses to empower you to testify. And that's why they say it. That's why, and they're shocked out of their minds. They're like, it was just the coolest thing ever. And I'm like, yeah. It's Holy Spirit. Right? It's not you. It's Him. It's Him working through you. Just step out in faith and tell somebody. Testify. Tell them their story. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's jump back to Paul and Timothy. Paul intensely telling Timothy to engage in the mission. 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word, right? Be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And I want to take just a few minutes, and I don't know if I've ever done this before, but I want to take a few minutes just to talk to teachers and preachers. So, the rest of you, if you want, you can just sip on a coffee for a little bit. All right? But some of you, God has gifted you to teach and to preach. Uh, I don't think I've ever done this in a message. I don't think I've ever really kind of commissioned people who have a, a, a calling on their lives to teach and preach, but i got to speak to you for a couple of minutes because God compelled me to do this, all right? I'm calling out to the teachers. Uh, this is a grab-you-by-the-lapel kind of moment, by the way, all right? Some of you are gifted to teach. Some of you are gifted to preach, and you are at some level of that gifting, you could be at the at the level of exploring, right? You could be at the place like you kind of know God's prompting you uh, to to teach, and you've got this ability, and you've got this thing that's gnawing at you inside, and you know that that you want, that you're supposed to instruct people, and, and you got this thing that's working on you, and it's kind of stirring in you. Some of you got that on the preach, right? The preach side of this—that some that thing that's inside of you that's stirring—and and some of you are on the front end of that thing, and, and, and you need to not ignore that. You need to hear God's, uh, you need to hear God's call. You need to hear God's voice in that. You got, you got to let, you got to let me grab you by the lapel this morning and kind of get in your face just a little bit about that. Because some of you, I, I am convinced in this house, God is calling you out to teach and you need to start moving that direction. You might not have everything you need right now. You might not have all the tools you need. You might need to get some biblical instruction. So that you can go out and teach, you might be at the beginning, you might be somewhere in the middle, right? You've had the biblical instruction, you've had the time, you've people, you know what happens with this kind of thing? What will happen is you'll start teaching something somewhere along the way, right? Whether it's official or not, and, and all of a sudden, the people in the body of Christ begin to recognize it. I, I remember when I first did this, I, I was scared to death to get in front of people, but I taught some classes, and, and I remember I taught these classes, and I remember uh, an older gentleman coming up, and he's telling me, you got a gift, you know, and, and he started stirring up what was already in me, and I knew it. You know, and he said, "You got a gift in this. You you got to start using this for the kingdom. That's what will happen. You, you'll start, and, and you might be somewhere in the process. You might be at the beginning. You might be here. You may be maybe you maybe you taught before." the word of God, maybe that was something that God stirred up in you, and it's stirring again, you know, and it's stirring again, and life got in the way, and you got busy doing things, right, because that's how it goes, or God has you in a different season for a little while, and then he starts bringing it back around, and he says, it's time, it's time again, it's time to start teaching, it's time to start, come out, it's true, you know, God calls and draws, he was doing this with Timothy, Timothy, he's telling him, it is teaching and preaching in you, Timothy, Right? And some of you will just have the teaching. Some of you are going to have the teaching and the preaching. End of it. And I'm calling you out this morning. I, I don't have time to unfold the importance of this completely. I got a matter of fact, I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. And, and while they're coming, I'm just going to unfold one piece of this. Why this is so important. And why this matters. And why you can't ignore this stir that's inside of you. All right? In, in Hebrews chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 11... The writer of that book, which is actually believed to be Paul, is giving a, a bit of a discourse, and, and he's talking about the priesthood within the body, and, and, he's, and he's speaking along the lines of, listen, the priesthood was, it really came, the priesthood, God assigned the priesthood in the Jewish culture through the line of Aaron. So Aaron's descendants were all of the priesthood. They were the ones that were to act as the priests. But he goes on to speak about Jesus being from the order of Melchizedek. So he's kind of going into some deeper things in God's word. And he almost stops himself in the middle of this. And he speaks in this manner. He says this in Hebrew 512. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying us, again, the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. We need teachers and preachers because people need to move from milk to meat. They need to move from the soft food to the deeper things of God. We need teachers and preachers who will engage so that, that the believers that come into the kingdom can hear the word of God and they go from the milk. You, you can't live on milk forever. Yeah. Amen? Amen? We give it to babies. Babies need milk, right? My granddaughter, she needs milk. And she's on that. But how many know when somewhere in the first year of life, right, you start shoving a banana in their mouth? <laughs> Come on, you start squishing up food. And you start, you start moving them towards solid food. And, you're to say, and you talk to them and say, one day you're going to love a steak. <laughs> it's awesome. Right? You're going to put some A1 on that thing. And you, mm, you're going to love it. You start moving them from here to there. That's what teachers and preachers do. That's what you're commissioned to do. It starts in the, in the children's area over here. Do you know that most people get saved before the age of 12? There's ministry happening on over here, big time, big time. Come on, you're moving them from milk to meat. So here's them. I should stand this morning. At a minimum, at a minimum, at a minimum, the mission is to testify of what God has done. At a minimum, some of you, some of you, God's stern in you. Teaching to preach, and this is this is a kingdom thing. This is a a body of Christ thing. And I'm asking you to do something. I ask you to come forward this morning. I think we need to pray together. There's something about moving forward. If you would, if you're new this morning, I know this might be a little uncomfortable. It's fine. You can just stay right where you're at if you want to. We're just going to pray. That's all we're going to do when we get up here. We're going to pray together. Just move up close if you can. Some of you don't mind getting near me. Get up close so others can come in behind. Everybody up front. Come on, move up. Move up, move up, move up, please. Thank you. Move over if you can a little just so we can spread out. I know we got a lot of people here this morning. (laughs) I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. I'm going to talk to teachers and preachers first. I'm calling you out this morning, calling you out, grabbing you by the lapel. If God is gifting you in this, or if he's pulling you out to get, to develop that gift in you, you need to tell someone. See, if you don't verbalize it, if you don't verbalize it, if you don't name it, it is so easy, right? Just to shove that thing back down. You're going to go to lunch this afternoon. You're going to get it. You're going to eat some food. You're going to get all cozy, pull a blankie up over you in this rain. And you're just going to forget and just try to let that thing slide by. I can tell you for a fact, God will bring it back around, by the way. He will. His callings are without repentance. That's what the Word of God says. All right? So you might as well just act on it now. You need to tell somebody. I want you to come to one of the pastoral staff in this church and let them know. My, our job is to help you walk through that. That is our job. Alright? Hopefully we don't fail you in any way in that, but our job is to help you walk through what God has gifted you with. So I'm calling you out. I'm not going to grab you physically by the lapel, but I would if I could. You need to walk in this. Paul did it to Timothy. He said, preach the word. Teach the word. Alright? At a minimum, for all of us, we are to testify. We are to testify. We're going to all pray together right now. All right. I want you to bow your heads. This is calling it out. Father, I come to you right now, God. I pray for each one in the house this morning that's here. They are not here by accident. God, this is God-ordained. Lord God, you work this all out on their behalf. And Lord God, I pray right now, you stir up the gift that are in some. Lord, some, they need to to engage in teaching. They need to engage what you've put in their hearts and what in their minds. Some need to just relaunch again back into what you've already have in them and what they've already worked out, what they've already practiced. Some here are to preach. They're to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are to speak out. They're gifted in it. They need to use it. God, I pray right now, God, work in their hearts. God, use them in this. Lord God, step them out, Lord, and help them launch forward. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, do this. God, I believe. God, I know you set us aside for seasons sometimes. I understand that. God, if it's a God-ordained season, we understand that. We get it. Lord God, that's a thing. But Lord God, right now, if you're tugging on hearts, God, pull them out and push them forward in this. Help them see past all the circumstances. God, and lean on what you're speaking to them. Lord God, in Jesus' name. Jesus, I ask that you stir up the testimony in us. God, the, the, the story. God, whether we got saved 40 years ago, four years ago, or four days ago, God, stir up that stir that story. God, let us tell of what you're doing in our lives because, God, it is powerful. Holy Spirit, you will. You will bind together with that testimony. You will empower that testimony. It won't just be a story. It'll be you. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to this message from Lifehouse Church. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with us as we love God, love people, every day, visit our website at www.lifehousecog.com.